0: Good morning, my name is um, Scott, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so great to see you all this morning. And today we are going to continue in our two-week series on prayer, and we're going to discuss one of the most important questions the disciples asked Jesus. You know, the, the thing is, throughout the Gospels, there's a lot of questions that the disciples ask, and wonderfully, they managed to focus on this one. But... I, wanna, I just want to start by just realizing why they asked a question about prayer to Jesus. Just to give context, Dave talked about this a little bit last week, but just in the Gospel of Luke alone, Jesus is seen going to pray 12 times. Throughout the whole of the four Gospels, he's marked as going 25 times away to pray, and he was specifically known for getting solitude. So the disciples saw this happening again and again and again and again and over and over. They knew that Jesus prayed. They knew that he had a dedication to it. And thankfully, they had the wherewithal to actually ask him about it, not just watch and, hmm, he's praying again. Neat. So before we go into the text, I just want you to picture in your mind that scene. You're with the rest of the disciples. We don't know if it was just the 12. We don't know if it was the 50. It's probably closer to just like the 12 disciples gathered around. And they see Jesus coming back. And he had been gone for what could have been hours. And gone away for hours praying. And they're together. And here is the one person. The one person ever that you could really ask And get an answer that would reveal what it would be like to talk to God. Jesus is the only one who has that exact answer. What the best way you can find to talk with God would be. He knows exactly what to do. He's been doing it over and over again. And the disciples have seen him do it successfully. So if there was a person that you wanted to get answers from about how to pray, this is the person you ask. And the great thing is he answers them. He doesn't answer with a, you know, I've experienced this, or you could try this method, or what about this, or I've heard this could work. No, this is a prayer that God the Son gives us To approach the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with confidence. With him knowing exactly what we're going through. Jesus knew us fully. He was just like us. He knew what it was like to be human. And he is giving us a prayer to take to him that fits perfectly. But I just want to pose an additional scenario. So picture that same scenario. There are the disciples But what if we had another ally in that moment? We don't just have the disciples. This moment has been combined with the families bringing the children. And there's one little child that wants to rush right up to Jesus as he's about to teach them to pray. Picture perhaps a toddler being the one that would run up to Jesus right as he starts to teach on prayer. Now, if you have a toddler in your house like I do, you know the very question that is going to come out of that toddler's mouth every 15 seconds. Why? Doesn't matter what the statement is. Why? 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 So at every point, as Jesus would say more things, the child would say, And Jesus being Jesus, being loving and kind and caring, would answer the why and would allow more whys. And over and over again until we have a hopefully short sermon. But so we're going to ask the why questions. I'm not just going to say why all the time. We're actually going to go through three specific why questions. The first one being why start here as we pray. Why start where we're starting in the Lord's Prayer The second question, why ask for this? And the third question, why pray this? So why start here? Why ask for this? Why pray this? So we're going to go to Luke 11, 1 through 4. And as we read this, you're going to say, hey, that's not the Lord's Prayer. a little different. That's not the one I've memorized that I grew up saying in church that, you know, I say at certain events or even I say myself. It, you're right. It's a little different. Luke is different from Matthew. Matthew has the long version of the Lord's Prayer, but in essentials, it's the same. This is just like the condensed quick version that Jesus gives, and that'll be important later on, but for now, if you're like, wow, this is a little bit different, yeah, it is different, and that's okay. So, Luke 11, 1 through 4, and it reads, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. We're going to pray a short prayer, because we did just kind of pray as well, so let's just say a quick prayer. Father, hallowed be your name, right now, this morning. Amen. I've changed this a few times because, as Jason said earlier, we had the lock-in this Friday. Um, Jason's a better man than I am. I took a nap during the lock-in. It was right there with the kids running around. So I woke up to Brooke Bloom looming over me like some kind of monster Now I know what Dave feels like, just like standing there staring, except my understanding is that Brooke sleeps very late, so I don't think he's ever been loomed over by Brooke at this age. But so I I got an hour of sleep that night, and then yesterday my wonderful sister-in-law came to help with Adeline and Sadie, or me and my wife Hannah's two young children, and so I was able to take a nap. So I actually am semi-rested, but... In the midst of all of it, I've had fever dreams about how to preach the sermon that have caused multiple changes and shifts. But the first thing I want to say that just a big difference between Luke and Matthew is that in this, what we just read in Luke, when Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, he says, say. He just says, say. So if you want to pray, say these words. It's Like, oh, okay. Blunt object. Sermon over. Okay, everyone wanted to be taught how to pray. Just say it. Well, in Matthew, Jesus says, when you pray, pray in this way. Pray after this fashion. Use this pattern. The word there is different. And it gives us a freedom to take the pattern of the Lord's Prayer and apply it to our lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to use our toddler questions to examine what the pattern of the Lord's Prayer is. And we'll go from there. So the first start is he says, when you pray, say, Father. Step one, Father. So why start here? Why start where we're starting in this book, in this this prayer? And as Dave did and said last week, Father is a very significant thing to say about God. It's a very significant thing to say about God. Specifically, it's significant because in the Old Testament, there are about 16 different names that are used to describe God, that people regularly use to say, this is who God is, and this is what God is doing in my life. And they're powerful names. They're names that we treasure and love that talk about what kind of Lord we have and how he is the Lord, and specifically that he has a standard name that differentiated himself from all other gods. So I'm expecting that the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, anticipating that Jesus would say, we start by recognizing God as the God of banners, of armies, or God as the provider, or God as our defender, or God as our rock and our shield and our strength. We, they probably anticipated that there would be some majestic name for God that they would start with. And Jesus says, Father. Father. Why? Why start with Father? If you could show the tweet. So, this is a tweet. That comes from Twitter. I enjoy Twitter for finding Packers news and stuff like that. Um, but every once in a while, I also follow theologians. And this was a tweet that um, came from a group of atheists. And it says that Christianity is a belief that one God created a universe. This is where we can stipulate them. But create a universe 13.79 billion years old, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Here are its dimensions. Here are the number of galaxies. Here are the number of stars. And they say only to have a personal relationship with you. That's what you believe, Christians. That's crazy. And my favorite thing about Twitter was all these theologians were just, all these people that love Jesus were just like, that is an encouragement to us. That tells us not only how big God is, but what we are starting by saying, Father. We're not, we're not praying to someone who's distant, who's far off, who doesn't care about us at all. We're praying to someone who has an intimate relationship with us, that cares for us as his children. Because at the end of the day, if we pray, our prayers are madness. They're madness. If we're praying to a God that has all of this creation, all of this universe that he has made and is complexly put together, and at the end of the day, we can't say he cares about me. Because if he doesn't care about me, why does he care about this prayer? So the first thing Jesus wants you to do is start by going to him as he is, Father. And it also reminds us the fact that we can call him Father because Jesus has made us, his brothers and sisters, through the cross. So why start with Father? Because it reminds us of who God is and who we are. It then goes on to hallowed be your name. There's a word you don't use anymore, hallowed. I don't know if you guys have that in your vernacular or you're running around talking about how you're gonna hallow things throughout your house to make them strong, but I don't. So hallowed be your name, we probably don't really think about it that much. Well, the word hallowed means whole, to make holy, to set apart, to, to sanctify something. And so in this, we are praying God Hallow your name, which is kind of a weird thing to say because at the, end of the, well, at the start of the day, God is himself holy. So if God is holy and we're saying, make your name holy, what are we in fact saying? Well, when we say that, we're saying, take everything we perceive of you. When we say, hallow your name, we're saying, take your name The thing that people experience, that see when they think of God, this is what they think of. And we're saying, make that holy, set that apart, make that approachable, make that good, make that everything that it is. Let people see you for who you are. So when you're saying, hallow your name, first off, you're saying, God, show, show everything about yourself to this person all of your goodness, all of your love, all of your kindness, all of your holiness, how you are better. And let that be seen in the world. Then, after we say that, we're also saying, everything that references you, the whole of my life, the whole of my family, the whole of our church, the Christians that I am coming in contact with in other churches I know, and everything that would take the name of God, and put it into their mouths. Let them show that you are holy. Let them celebrate you correctly. And then last but not least, if there are people who are blaspheming your name, stop them. Stop them from talking about God from one side and then sinning and damaging the name of the Lord at the other side. So often, we see in the commandments, do not take the name of the Lord in vain, and we think it's about cussing and swearing. And we stop each other, like, hey, oh, oh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, don't stop there. Like, Don't go throwing Jesus in a swear word around, but don't stop there. Stop taking the Lord's name in vain in your life and have people look at you hear you're a Christian, and then say, really? You, you love Jesus? Wow, that surprises me. That's an insult. You want to be insulted, have somebody tell that to you. Like, I never would have guessed that you would be a Christian. Ooh, well, why is that? And if there are specific reasons that are contrary to the gospel, you might want to start paying a little more attention. So we're saying, God, Let people see you for who you are. And this is is going to be a weird statement, but I'm going to say it anyways because I'm a weird guy. That is the best prayer that you can pray for someone. Process that. If you're praying for someone in your life, the best thing you can say for a person is God, hallow your name in their life. Because what you're saying is, God, reveal all of yourself to this person in the best way possible. What they need more than anything else to see is you at work. They need to see your character. They need to see your purpose. They need to see your life. They need to see you as you truly are. So hallow your name. And right now, that's been one of my biggest prayers as of late. Sadie made Hannah cry a lot this morning. Hallow your name in Sadie's life. Sadie's three, so it's kind of hard to figure that out. She asks about the hallow your name, but she hears it. My parents had a milestone birthday, which I am not allowed to say how old that birthday was because I have a wife that wants me to hallow his name. And so I was encouraged to not reference anything about their age. Other than this. But my prayer for them is that the best experience they could have this upcoming year is for God to fully hallow His name in their lives. That everything would be at its best for their best, and they would experience things at such great levels if God would show His goodness more in their lives. And I'm gonna tell you, Bunchkowskis. That was my prayer for Leo. And that was my prayer for Al Twindall the last two weeks as well. And for all the people that we are praying, again and again, God, show your character and who you are fully in this person's life. Praise God. He did exactly what he would always do. Now, if you have been toddler interrogated before, you would know that at this point, the toddler would sneak off or take a nap or do something else. So we're going, to, we're going to show a little video before our next one. So go right ahead. Our
1: uh-huh, Father in heaven will be your name. Our kingdom come, our will be understand in heaven get us this day our daily bread and forgive us then as we forget that there's a new lead us into some but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the king in the power in the glory forever, our father
0: and heaven, be your name. All right. So that was your dose of cuteness. Um, tell you two correct things I did. Number one, took that video when she was at her happiest. So, in fact, we have a video. Um, Number two, I don't even, I don't, this is mostly my wife, I should say, but we have a habit of praying that song every night. That's one of the habits that we have in our families, that as we worship, we try our best to pray together. Hasn't been happening recently because apparently a newborn makes your toddler go crazy, Um, but we do it quite a bit still, and knowing that she has that fully internalized, that whole prayer. The two mistakes I did was that was one of four videos because having a toddler and a newborn at the same time makes life difficult. So that was the one that worked. But if you'll notice, there was a mistake that Sadie made. And specifically, it's about the kingdom coming. She said, our kingdom come, our will be done. Oof. Now, (laughs) I have video proof. (laughs) That she can say it correctly. I can show you a video with her holding Adeline. And it's adorable. And she's singing to her baby sister. But Adeline starts screaming her lungs off. So I assume that you would prefer to hear the mistaken one. Instead of the infant screaming at her older sister one. But Sadie made a mistake. But did she? Because that helps us to understand that when we're praying for God's kingdom to come, we're not saying our kingdom come. We're not saying, God, do exactly what I want right now, what I think is best, what I think is wisest, what exactly needs to happen in my family. Do that. I am telling you what needs to be done. Do it now. Do it. Do it right now. That's exactly what Sadie would say about a lot of things. Mama, do not go and hold your baby sister. Hold me. Put me to sleep. Daddy, I don't like you. Go away, Daddy. Me, now. Bedtimes are rough. So, like, that's what we do in prayer often. Is we go into that toddler state and we think, God, we have it figured out. You don't have it figured out. You need to listen to me. But God has bigger intentions. He has such bigger intentions and he has more wisdom, more foresight, more clarity than anyone. So when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking that God would shape our needs, our desires, our hopes. And that in situations that need God, that his will would be what we desire. And that he would come and do a work. So this prayer, the reason we pray is it protects us from a kingdom of our own making. So after all those, those first questions, those first really three or four things where we ask why start here, we break into the second part. Where all of a sudden we're praying for specific things. And we're at, we ask the second question, why ask these things? Like why are we going where we're going? Because in the eleven three through 4, it starts, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forget everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So why ask for that? There are so much more I could ask for. The prayer lists are huge. Why ask these things, God? Well, the first one, give us each, give us each day our daily bread. That is, is supposed to take us back to a season. Israel had been slaves in Egypt. They were rescued out of Egypt. They were taken. They had, they had nothing. They were the lowest of the low. They were persecuted. They were worked like dogs. And they are escaping to freedom. They're almost caught by Pharaoh. They're at the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea in a miraculous... Through a miracle, they cross on dry land, no mud, and Pharaoh's armies are captured before they even get to Israel. So Israel's is on the other side. They sing a song. They are free. And they walk for a few days. And then they say, it would have been better that we died in Egypt than to have come here. Man! It would have been better that we died. We had meat and everything we needed. No, you didn't. You were slaves. But that's what they thought. They thought we had everything we needed. And God's response was love. And He sends them bread, He sends them something called manna. And each day there would be manna that they could collect. And it would be what they would collect. There was a specific amount, so it would be for everyone. And it would be enough for their family that day. If they collected more than they needed, it would rot. Worms would eat it. It would rot before the next day. And on, Saturday, or on Friday, they were allowed to collect more for the Sabbath. So in the story... God is showing Israel, I will provide you exactly what you need. What does that mean? When we pray, give us each day our daily bread, we are asking, Jesus is instructing us that we should pray exactly for what we need that day. Lord, give us what we need each day. So it's a prayer of a quest. But it's also a prayer of stewardship and management for us to examine as we are asking God for things, we aren't saying, God, make this lottery ticket a winner so that way I can have a second jet ski. That's not the prayer. Like, that's not the point of it. We are asking, God, help me to receive graciously from your hand exactly what I need. And at the same time, give me the wisdom I need to use it well. And so if you, are, if you are praying and asking God for your needs, and you're like, I'm not getting what I need, well, maybe you need to be praying, but also maybe you need to be analyzing and stewarding the things that you're receiving. I finally remembered the story. Oh, where is he? Where's John Tepfer? John Tepfer's here somewhere. He's, all right, there he is. I kind of told him I was going to tell a story, and I will now. But I'm not going to tell the full story. John shared about how he came to salvation at the men's breakfast a few weeks ago. If you did not come to the men's breakfast, you should come. Because John gave us a 20-minute message in 10 minutes, and it was amazing. He told us about his life. It was powerful, and it helped me feel closer to him. And one of the things he told was when he was a young man, he made a lot of money and never had any money. And I won't tell people how you didn't have any money, but every week he would look at his money and be like, I don't have any money to pay for my rent. What is going on? And then he would go and live his, he would get his paycheck, go and live his lifestyle, have his food and beverages and everything, and he would get to the next week and be like, I don't have any money. What is going on? And then years later, he realized that he was essentially burning his money with his lifestyle. He was buying too much. He was overspending. And so if John in that moment would say, Lord, give me my daily bread, God would, knock on John's head and say what do you think what do you think I've been giving you you have a good job you have a stable job you have exactly what you need but you're not you're not managing it well so we ask give us our daily bread because we need to be reminded that it, God gives us exactly what we need and sometimes you need to pray a little bit harder and sometimes you need to realize that part of what Getting what we need is the fact that we're given a church body to help and support one another, and that that's a good grace too. But at the same time, seeing that God is giving good things and that what is coming to us is from God, that's that's the biggest blessing. He then goes on, and forgive us our sins. In Christ, we are forgiven our sins at the cross. Penalty of sin is paid perfectly by Jesus. We're freed from it. But one of my favorite authors kind of gave a help to us. Because if we're coming to this and seeing, and forgive us our sins, we're like, hey, I don't have any more sins to be forgiven of. What's going on? <laughs> if you're saying that, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. I have to be forgiven of sins all the time. I need to ask the Lord for help with things all the time. And this, another tweet that I have, it's the week of tweets apparently, is from a pastor named Scott Sauls. And he wrote a book called From Weakness to Strength. It's an amazing book. But he says, he says this, he does a great job of handling criticism. He says, even when you're fair, you are unfairly criticized, look for a nugget or two of truth in the criticism. So don't take criticism that's coming from people that like might be trying to hurt you and basing everything on it. But, is there anything in it that could be true? He says, you may find something fresh to repent of. And every opportunity to repent is, an, is also an opportunity to draw near to Jesus anew. Wow. I don't view criticism that way. Like if I get criticized for something, my reaction isn't to say, man, you just brought me closer to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Sadie, for telling me that I'm not being a nice daddy. (laughs) No, he's saying, like, hey, even when it seems like it's completely false, is there anything in your tone of voice, in your reaction, in, in your manner that you could repent of and grow from? Because repenting, asking for forgiveness, it's not just kind of clearing the slate it's actually walking closer to God. I explain it to the CP kids this way. They, I talk about how, like, in the Greek, repentance, turning away, is kind of like you're shooting at a target. They use a bow and arrow is often the illustration. And so you've been aiming, firing, the arrow, when you repent, is actually hitting the target. And for a long time, instead of aiming for the target, you've been aiming the wrong way. I like to think of it this way. You've been holding the bow backwards, And shooting the arrows over and over again into your own chest. And that's what your sin is doing. It's killing you more and more. And making you callous and incapable. And Jesus is saying, hey, forgive us our sins. Come closer to me. Seek me. Next goes into, for we also forgive everyone indebted to you. Honestly, I love this practically. I'm just going to talk about the practical aspect. Um, this, this part of the Lord's Prayer has shaped, reshaped my relationships. It's brought the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself into something manageable. Want to love your neighbor as yourself, the people that you're surrounded with, the people that you have conflict with? See how you are forgiven by Jesus and forgive the same way be able to forgive. One of the biggest things that Hannah taught me when we started dating was that when I apologize, she'll say, I forgive you for this. That's one of the most important things I think we teach Sadie. So that when she apologizes or we apologize for a way we've sinned against one another, the other person is acknowledging and saying, you're forgiven. And Right now, it's mostly because Jesus died on the cross and not because we like each other. But you are forgiven. And it's a great reminder we need that because it teaches us to love our neighbor as God loves us. And then lastly, it closes, this version closes with, Lead us not into temptation. The final act of Jesus' ask of Jesus' prayer is simple. It's us saying, as I walk with you, God, keep me on a safe, holy path. Lead me in the right way. Protect me from temptation to sin. Help me to see it before I stumble down into it. And if you're praying that, lead me not in temptation, asking for that help. When you see temptation, you'll realize whether you're going to walk into it or you're going to walk with Christ and you can stop yourself because God is stopping you. So we had three questions. I'm just going to go back over them one more time. or We had two questions we answered, and there's a third one. But number one, why start here? The whole introductory portion of the thing. Number two, why ask for this? And there's a third, well, let me just say this. Why we start where we started. It reminds us of who God is and who we are. It is the best thing we can pray and it protects us from a kingdom of our own making. But why ask for this? Because we need what God gives. We need to get closer to God and further from sin. We need to love our neighbor as God loves us, and we need guidance. And so one last question. Why pray this? Why pray this prayer? Well, easily, (laughs) Jesus told you to. I mean, that's the the quick answer, is that Jesus said, hey, pray this way. Um, But also in Matthew 6, he says, pray then like this. So why, why should we pray not only this, but like this? Number one, because God gave it. God gave us this prayer. God himself gave it to us to connect with him. When he was like us in every way, yet free from sin and no longer far from God like the rest of us. Like we're far off from God. Sin has made a chasm that is restored through Christ but still like it's there's still the curse of sin in this world the only person the only people that kind of knew what Jesus is talking about fully here was Adam and Eve they were the only people that had that strong relationship without the interference of sin and then they were crushed by how heavy it was but so Jesus coming to us gives us exactly what we need or at least the format we need to talk to God. Not only that, he gave it, but number two, it's a good pattern. This is a good format to pray. We talked about a lot of what it means, but you can use this prayer to pray. You know, it's been repeated heavily for 2,000-ish years. Numbers are showing this prayer is good. Like, just so you know. It's to the point. It's memorable. It gets the work done. And one of the one thing I'll share is that you don't just have to like repeat it over and over. There's a method that um, me and Eric Schroeder learned from a from an author named Tim Keller, and it's a simple method. It was it was I think it was come up by with by Martin Luther. Martin Luther wrote a little book on prayer for a barber who was in exile, kind of like he got kicked out of his country because he drunkenly stabbed his son-in-law in the chest with a sword. His, his, his son-in-law said, when I drink, I am invincible to blades. And the barber said, prove it! sha!" So you can see how that turned out. Well, anyways, he was in exile. Martin Luther writes this short book on prayer and one of the things that Luther says is take the Lord's prayer and stop to pray things more. So Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord Right now, we are so thankful for how holy you have shown yourself. And we are so glad that you are doing such huge work in the Punchkowski family and restoring Leo, that he, they get to wait a month for another scan, that it came back so good. And that as we were praying for Al in the hospital, that he's actually getting to go home soon and rest before he needs more chemo. Thank you that you showed yourself in that. Amen. And you could stop there or you can keep going. If you don't have something to pray for that portion, you can just keep going through the Lord's Prayer and you can take what could be a 15-second prayer life, like I often have because I get like ADD and like a little butterfly flying around. Like you can take a prayer life like that and have that as the format, have that as the homing point. So you can go back to the Lord's Prayer and start the next section and then go back and start the next section and do that over and over again. It's a good pattern to build your prayer life on. And last but not least, it's good. It's good. Just pray it. Like, if you're just trying to figure out something to pray, if you're in a desperate time, if you need to pray for a child, Michelle, you did the exact thing that you should do for that child, so I'm not saying don't do that, but Like, if you're just trying to teach somebody how to pray really quick, just pray that. Say, this is something that's been around for 2,000 years. That people have said again and again, Jesus gave it to us as a gift. It's pretty great. I have said the Lord's Prayer a lot in my short lifetime. Growing up, it was part of the worship of our church that I grew up in, it was part of the Apostles, we would say that, and the Apostles' Creed and the doxology. And since we started doing family worship as a family, with me, Hannah, Sadie, and now Adeline, it's something that we try and do every night. Additionally, like I said, when I struggle in prayer, it's something I use. And so if you are like me and always want to pray more, always want to learn how to pray better and want to, want to actually feel closer to God in prayer, I would just suggest use this as a pattern. Just start praying through the Lord's Prayer and let that guide you. And when you are being guided in it, just know that the biggest promise is right at the beginning, Father, Father. And don't lose sight. Don't let conceptions of fatherhood, don't lose you. Don't let who your dad was or dads you know be the concept you build, what you're saying about father based on. View this from a lens of the exact origin of what fatherhood is meant to be. What we mean as best form of father and know that a good dad will listen and hear and the best dad, the real dad, the real father of us all listens and hears and is patient with us, and it will respond in the exact way that we need. That's why Jesus gave it to us, so we could share in exactly what he is sharing in. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you for your prayer. Thank you for it. Please bless us today as we go forth and help us to walk in this prayer. Amen. You may rise for the benediction. Our benediction is a blessing. And so, I'm going to close just by reading Luke 11 over you once more. It's the best blessing I could give you as you go forth this week. So as you receive it, just know that that you have a good father in Christ Jesus. That if you have faith in Christ for his finished work on the cross and over the grave, the reality of praying this prayer is given to you. That he gave it to you as children to carry for. So this is the blessing. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.